0: That was awesome. I think we all live that song in seasons of our life. And uh, I told somebody this last week, I'm having issues with my feet, and it's, it's not like I stubbed my toe, it's ugly issues, and it hurts. And I said to them, the only good thing that's going to come out of me this week is going to be because of God. <laughs> because all I have to offer this week on my own is definitely filthy rags, and uh I spent most of my time praying and and working through this sermon, and it was about the only thing I did. Uh, the pain level was high, so I get it. The the broken part, I think we all go through seasons of it, that God still uses us. and uh, So, get ready, because I'm going to mess you up today. That's the only, there you go. Thank you, Rick. There we go. We're, in, we're going through the, the book of John, and... Um, We're we're in John chapter 10 today, and Jesus says a lot of stuff. Now, uh, I'm I'm stopping at verse 18, because there's this huge transition that goes into the other other part of John chapter 10, and I just, I had like 6,000 words, and that means we'd have been here for like an hour and a half, and I, you know, yeah, well... (laughs) Joe's like, ah, it's raining anyways, we might as well stay here and keep, pre- keep preaching. It's okay. We're going to have a little revival today, folks. Uh, good news is I cut it down to 5,250 words. So, uh, But we're going to jump into this. And this whole focal point, the thing I want you to think about, and uh, this is one, of, by the way, this is one of my favorite, I don't know if we call it a set design in church, but this is one of my favorite things that we've ever done. It's, it's just a door with Jesus' name on it. And we've used it a couple different times in a couple different ways. But um, I, I used it one time at Christmas. I was unwrapping the gifts of Christmas. And I just wanted these big Christmas presents. And so we had these doors. And, and when we got talking about John chapter 10, I said, Diana, do we still have the doors? And she said, yeah, we still have the doors. I said, can you bring the one out for Jesus? Because he's, he's talking about being the good shepherd. He's talking about being the door. Be in the gateway, the only way. And and so if you're visiting, I want you to think, wow, they have all this nice stuff and they put a door up. You know, it's like you can't even go through it. But there's a door and we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to get right into it. John chapter 10, uh, starting with verse 1. Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. And let me pause right there. I'm sorry. Jesus says some words in this. Uh, statement as he's talking to people. And if you're not used to it, uh, if you're not a shepherd, if it's not your culture, you're going to be thinking about some of this stuff. And so he uses words like like sheepfold and, and the door and the sheep gate. And we're going to break all that down today. So just stay with me as we go through this. So Jesus says this. He says, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I don't know what you're saying. It's okay because the people Jesus was speaking to didn't get it yet either. But we're going to keep going. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. By the way, most of the people that he is talking to right now are are religious leaders. His disciples are there. Um, a lot of the Pharisees, a lot of the religious leaders there, a lot of just good Jewish people are there who know, um, who know Old Testament law and, and who know a lot of religious things. And so he comes back around and he starts over. He says, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. I'll catch up to you. Okay. There we are. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. For this reason, the father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And verse 18, he says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. And Jesus has said a whole lot in, the, in what we just read. And we 're going to break this down, and so now is where you have to keep up, because I'm going to bounce around in John chapter Ten and what we just read and and we're going to, we're going to see where this goes. So John chapter ten is the closest thing to a parable in the gospel that John has written. It's more like an allegory or an illustration. Um, one key to understand this passage is to view it in its context and and I bring that up because John didn't divide his Gospels into chapters and verses, so we can't really draw a line between the end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10. Uh, there's no transitional phrase. He doesn't say anything like, after these things or, or something like that, other oh, time markers. When we get to John chapter 10. John then designates a time as the Feast of Dedication. In John, in verse 22, he says, the Feast of Dedication took place in the winter. But John 1 through 18, maybe through 21, are is most likely connected with the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, with the activities that took place from chapter 7 to chapter 9. All right? And we need to keep that in mind as, as we're hearing this because John 21 even refers back to the healing of the blind man in chapter 10. Verse, verse 21 in chapter 10 refers back to the, back to the blind man in chapter 9. And, and I think as you read through the book of John, you need to understand that um, what, what I just read is very closely related to the events in John chapter 9 where Jesus healed this man that was born blind. The connection here is this. The Pharisees are upset because Jesus healed this man on a Sabbath day and and they were the religious leaders in Israel and they should have been faithful shepherds over God's flock, but they failed. And the story of the blind man illustrates this when they get frustrated with his testimony. They call him in and, and they talk about his testimony concerning Jesus. They get frustrated and they throw him out of the temple. Not once did they... Rejoice over the amazing fact that this man's eyes had been opened. That that never happened. They were more concerned that Jesus violated their legalistic Sabbath rules than they were about this man and his shepherds. They should have taught the people, but instead they ridiculed them for their ignorance. They, They used their power to keep the people in fear. They used their knowledge of Scripture to keep the people at bay. They threatened them with excommunication if they didn't agree with what they were told. If they, believe, if they began to confess Jesus to be the Christ. And we see the arrogance of the Pharisees and the religious leaders and their lack of concern for the flock when they told the blind man in John chapter 9, verse 34. They said to him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? You see, these Pharisees, they weren't the faithful shepherds that I just read about here. They weren't weren't faithful over the Lord's flock. And so in John chapter 10, Jesus now draws this sharp contrast between them and false shepherds, who, by the way, he calls thieves and robbers. He's calling these men out. And in himself, he says, I am the true shepherd. There are a lot of Old Testament passages that picture the Lord as the shepherd over his people. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous ones that talks about uh, about the Lord being a shepherd. And, And if in the Old Testament... The Lord is the shepherd of his people. And in the New Testament, Jesus is the shepherd. It shows how Jesus is Lord. You see, Jesus paints this picture. And in John chapter 10, he sets this up against the backdrop of Ezekiel 34. You need to write that down in your notes to to contrast John chapter 10 with Ezekiel 34. It's where the Lord rebukes the religious leaders of Israel in Ezekiel for being self-centered, greedy shepherds who use the flock for their own comfort and gain. But failed to care tenderly for the hurting. and that's what Jesus is saying to the, to the Pharisees right now, to the religious leaders. You see, the Lord declares judgment on those false shepherds, and He promises at Ezekiel 34:23, he said, "Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them." And he will feed them himself and be their shepherd. That prophecy was fulfilled by the son of David, who, by the way, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd of the sheep in John chapter 10, who is the door, who is standing here saying, this is me, and it's all coming to fruition. Pay attention. That's what he's saying to the Pharisees. And of course, if you read on in John chapter 10, they don't like it. And so John 10 gives us this symbolic picture of what, what has just happened in John chapter nine. But it also affirms the blindness of the Pharisees. Because in John chapter nine, the Pharisees are asking Jesus, well, well, we're not blind, we see. And Jesus is like, you wish you were blind, then you really would see. And then they really got mad. And it's just, it was crazy. But the Pharisees just don't understand what Jesus is saying. So John chapter 10, right? I'm gonna give you a couple of notes you can write down. John chapter 10, verses one through 18. It kind of breaks down into three sections. The first one, is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Jesus contrasts himself as the true shepherd with these Pharisees, with these false shepherds. Jesus is like, you think you're a shepherd, but you're not. You're a selfish shepherd. You're a false shepherd. You're a thief. You're a robber. You're sneaking into the pen, and, and you're allowing these sheep to be taken. And he says, you are not real shepherds. He says, I am the true shepherd. And then... Um, Verses 7 through 10 in John, or yeah, in John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10, he portrays himself as the door of the sheepfold. Who, in, When you contrast that to the false shepherds, Jesus came to give abundant life to his sheep. If you remember in John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10, that's where he said that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And then the last part of what we read, uh, verses 11 through 18, he explains how... He is the sacrificial good shepherd. He says, I lay down my own life to provide life for my sheep. And he he goes real deep there. He says, no one can take it from me. I lay down my life and I will raise it back up and I will do it for my sheep. And the Pharisees are probably thinking, whoa. You see, Jesus, his credentials and his qualities prove him to be the true shepherd who the sheep should follow. When Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 1, truly, truly, he alerts us that this is something we need to perk up and pay attention to. All right, Jesus is the true shepherd. He's warning the flock about false shepherds. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And so he's rebuking the Pharisees and he's challenging them and they're listening to him and he's warning the Pharisees and he's warning his followers, including the man that he just healed from being blind. He's telling him as well, do not follow these false shepherds. They're thieves and they're robbers. Folks, I got to tell you this. Spoiler alert. Satan's goal, his aim is never to build up or care for you. That's not his goal. That's not his desire. That's not what he does. He always seeks to destroy. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, Satan often uses his agents, men or women, who pose as true believers to cause destruction in the church. They seem to know the Bible, seem to teach the Bible. It gains them hearing, the itching ears. They say things that people want to hear. And then their teaching and their practices don't, they don't lead people towards godliness, but towards destruction. You see, the thing about thieves and robbers, there's different meanings in both of those words. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, thieves are, are more cunning. They're like a fox. They use cunning and deception. They, they break into your house when you're gone or when you're asleep, and they steal something without you even knowing it. That's, that's a good thief, if, if you will. Uh, <laughs> there's no such thing as a good thief, but a good thief isn't going to hurt you. They're just going to break in. They're going to take your TV, and you're going to wake up and go to watch the news and be like, oh, somebody took the TV. That's what you want. If somebody's going to steal from you. You want a good thief. Robbers are more aggressive. Robbers are the guys that hold you up at gunpoint that... I had a friend of mine who works for Domino's in Decatur and was held up at gunpoint for a large pizza and like $27. I'm Like seriously, it's not even good pizza. <laughs> no offense, Domino's, if you're listening. I'm just, it's not like, you know, yeah, you know, it's just it's not Chicago deep dish or something. It's just Domino's. That's all I'm saying. It's good in a pinch. Yeah. Hey, which, by the way, it's March, and the last Sunday in March, we'll be having an unselfish plug right here. Last Sunday in March, after worship, we'll have pizza with the pastor. That's a pastor. That's a little spoiler alert, something coming up. So if you've been visiting, you want to know about what we're doing and what we're about, come have pizza with me. Mary and I be Domino's. But anyway, back into this. So my friend is robbed at gunpoint for a large pizza and minimal cash. And he was just like, I couldn't. He's like, I don't even have what you really want here, <laughs> you know. That's what robbers do. They're aggressive. They hold you up at gunpoint and force, they force you to give up your valuables. But the thing is, this, here's the thing, whether it's a thief or a robber, both cases, they don't care about you. And Jesus is telling the audience, he's saying these people, these Pharisees who have been leading you, they don't care about you. They only want to profit at your expense. They want to use you to further their own selfish ends. There, there's some important lessons to learn here. First off, being grounded in sound doctrine is essential. It's not optional. And that's on you. If you want to know whether somebody's a false teacher or not, you're only going to know it by reading the word and, and measuring them up with what God's word says. False teachers don't wear blinking neon signs that say, I'm going to lead you astray. It's not a big sandwich board. <laughs> Follow me. We're going away from everywhere else and we're going to drink Kool Aid. They don't do that. All right? They're subtle. They're just slightly off. You have to know. You have to know. You have to be able to defend from Scripture the core doctrines of faith, and they're in here. You need to know how to distinguish the core doctrines, where compromise is fatal, from other things that are not as essential for spiritual health. Some things don't have an eternal uh, dynamic to it. It's not worth arguing over. But some things are core doctrine of what Jesus would ask of us. The other thing is this. Christ-like shepherds warn their flocks about false teachers. If Jesus, the true shepherd, warned about false teachers, then his under-shepherds, I made that up, by the way. <laughs> Do you know who Jesus' under-shepherds are? Yeah. Yep. We're his under-shepherds. Our elders, Mark, Frank, Mike, Peter, myself, Andy, we're under-shepherds. You, you men who have families, you are under shepherds. You are to spiritually lead your family. You are the elders of your house. Well, I'm not old to be an elder. Oh, you've got kids and a wife. You're an elder <laughs> in your home. And you need to lead your home spiritually. And you need to know what God's word says about that. You are an under shepherd. And, and we need to be warning people about false teachers if we're faithful to Christ. Because Jesus, the true shepherd, entered by the door, John 10 Verse two says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is referring to himself as the legitimate shepherd of God's flock because he entered the fold by the door. Now, stay with me because I'm going to get real bouncy here, like, you know, dropping one of those bouncy balls off of a building. We're going to jump down to verse seven. And, and Jesus says again, he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, check this out. In John one through six, chapter ten, verse one through six, Jesus is the true shepherd who enters the fold by the door. But then in verses seven through ten, Jesus says, "I am the door," with no reference to being the shepherd. And then in verses eleven through eighteen, Jesus again says, "I am the good shepherd." Now, to understand verses one through five, we need to have a mental picture of a sheepfold from that day. So, I want you to picture a sheepfold. Man, you guys have a good memory, good, good, powerful vision there. There's the sheepfold, all right? And, and here's what happens. It, it's, it's all walled in, you see the wall. And each village would have a common walled in area, just like this. And all the shepherds, every evening, would bring their sheep in. And all the sheep would go in to this sheepfold. And now here's the thing about sheep. Sheep don't like to be alone. And, and they actually like to be close together. When sheep are close together and snugly, that's when they feel secure. And so they're bringing the sheep in all right, And the doorkeeper would guard the door. There actually was a guy, and this was his job, at the, at the gate of the sheepfold, and it wasn't much longer than a man laying down, someone would sleep there every night. Okay, He was the doorkeeper. He would guard the door by literally lying across it, making sure that no wild animals or robbers would be able to enter in to harm or steal the sheep. And it just baffles me. That guy's like, I'll do it. I'll guard the sheep. I'll sleep here. In the morning, the shepherds would return. The doorkeeper would get out of the way. And the shepherds would stand outside and call their sheep, whatever their little call was. And their sheep would come to the right shepherd. Why? Because the shepherd knows their sheep and the sheep know his voice. All right, And so, so all these sheep are together in community Until the shepherd calls and then they all go back to whoever they came out with the night before. And they go out for the day and they lead them into pasture and they have a great day. So what does all this mean with what Jesus is saying? The sheepfold is Israel. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, I am the true shepherd. I enter the fold to lead the sheep, those who the Father has given to me, out to pasture. The man born blind is an example of this. The Pharisees are the thieves and the robbers who are not genuine shepherds. But what does the door represent? Chapter 10, verse 7 The door is Christ Himself. In verse 2, the door is the messianic office that has been prophesied about through the Old Testament. Okay? This this just blew my mind when I started getting into this. I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. I was getting all geeked out. It sets it up this way Remember the prophecies about Jesus? He's the Messiah. He would be born of the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. He would be born in Bethlehem, be born to a virgin. He would give sight to the blind. He would give hearing to the deaf. He would cause the lame to walk. He would be the prophet who was greater than Moses. He would be a light to shine on all who were in darkness. He would provide the water of God's spirit to thirsty souls. And you guys thought he was just hanging out at a well talking to a lady in Samaria, right? John has shown us that Jesus fulfilled all these Old Testament prophecies and many more. Jesus has the credentials that show he is the only person who could enter through the door of this messianic line that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. The doorkeeper opened the door to Jesus, the true shepherd. In light of John's gospel, I think that the doorkeeper is John the Baptist. Check it out. John the Baptist, we're going to go all the way back to John chapter 1, verse 23. He opened the door for Jesus. Okay, he was the predicted messenger who cried out in the wilderness. He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And then John pointed to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is here. And he opened the door. And my mind is just going, it's awesome. John told us this whole thing in just 10 chapters. And Jesus came to Israel through the door of, of, a, of the prophetic scriptures about the, the prophecies of the Messiah. And the doorkeeper opened to him as the true shepherd so he could call his sheep out of the fold. John the Baptist said, here he is. Now pay attention to him. I was just the doorkeeper. I was just laying here, keeping you guys safe, telling you things, preparing your hearts for what he's coming to share. And now he's here, so I'm going to get out of the way. That's what John the Baptist said. His sheep are all from Israel whom the Father had given him. He says, I have other sheep. Guess who his other sheep are? The Gentiles. He's going to gather them into one flock under him as a shepherd. Jesus' credentials prove that he is the good shepherd and his qualities prove that he is the true shepherd. He shows that he is the true shepherd of his sheep. When we read John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18, he says, the sheep belong to me because he gave his life to purchase them. It's not just that he's willing to give up his life. But Jesus, the true shepherd, provides personal care for his sheep. He calls them by name. He calls you by name. John chapter 3, or John chapter 10, verse 3. He says, uh, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls them out. The picture here is of this near, the Near Eastern shepherd who spent so much time with his flock that he knew each one personally. Isn't it nice when somebody knows your name? It's just nice. But it's even nicer. Maybe when somebody sends you a personal note of encouragement or something. But it's even nicer when someone not only knows your name, but they know your birthday. They get you a present, (laughs) August 31st. Um, They get you a gift. They send you a card. Take you out to dinner, buy you a steak, maybe. Whatever. It's nice when somebody knows your name. It's nice when somebody knows your birthday. But it's really nice when they know your favorite color. They know your hobby. They know your interest. They know your fears, and they walk you through them. It's really nice when somebody knows all these things about you and good and bad and still loves you. That's a shepherd right there. It's nice when someone knows your name. It's nice uh, when these things have, we all appreciate it when we're recognized in that way. That's what Jesus does with his sheep. If you belong to him, he knows you by name. Unlike us humans who have limited storage space in our computer brain, Jesus never forgets a name. More than that, he knows your name. He knows everything about you. And he still loves you. And he still wants fellowship with you. And he wants to call you out of whatever you're in to come and be with him, to walk with him. To know his voice. He is your caring shepherd. The shepherd's sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they flee from strangers who they don't know. John ten four through 5 says this. Talking about Jesus, talking about the shepherd. When he, has all, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You see, the shepherd's sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus repeats that his sheep hear and know his voice in verses 3 and 4. Hey, Christian, sheep, you are responsible for knowing his voice. You won't know his voice unless you're reading his word. You won't know his voice unless you're spending time with him. It's the only way you're going to know his voice. The Lord's sheep know his voice through his word because they graze in it often. The bottom line is this. It's not how much you know, but who you know. We learned that from the Pharisees. They knew far more theology than the man born blind, but they didn't know the true shepherd. But the healed blind man, he now knew Jesus as his shepherd. The question I have today is simple. Do you? Do you know Jesus as your shepherd? If you don't, the question I have for you is, would you like to? And so as we come to our response time, the door is open. Maybe for you, the first step is committing to him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've spent a big part of your Christian life, kind of like the Pharisees, learning his word and learning all this stuff, but never stopping to take the time to hear his voice. You have all this knowledge, but, but you don't have a heart for what Jesus has called you to do. Change that today. You know, if you'd like prayer, the elders are here, they'd love to pray with you. But would you stand and sing our response song and respond to our Good Shepherd's voice this morning? Hey, it's been great to be here with you all this morning to worship with you, to celebrate uh, with our church family. But now it's time to go to win and commit to grow. I want to challenge you. As you go this week, commit to grow in his word. Not so you can become more legalistic in it, but so that you can hear his voice through it. So that you can know who your shepherd is. So you can follow when he calls you. Will you sing this last song with us? Yeah.